The following message, Believe and Have Life, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 24th of April, 2011, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana. To learn more about our church, please visit www.sgcindianapa.org. If you have your Bible, please turn to John, book of John, chapter 20. This morning's message is entitled, Believe and Have Life. Believe and Have Life. Now, some of you here may remember the day in July 1969 that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon. Anybody remember that? Anybody, anybody remember watching it? Remember where you were when you watched it? Well, I, I, I remember exactly where I watched it. I was working in Ocean City, Maryland at the time. I was staying in a place that had a lot of uh, apartments where there were lots of young people staying. And uh, I came down to the lobby to the only TV in the building, watched it with about 20 other people. And... Uh, I remember when it was over, I said, well, you've seen one moonwalk, you've seen them all. <laughs> Went back up to my room. <laughs> well, the next day, I was talking to an old man who was a janitor at the motel I worked in, and he did not believe we landed on the moon. He believed the government had staged the whole thing. Serious. This guy really, I couldn't talk him into it. The whole thing was a massive hoax. He was not there to see it with his own eyes, and so he was not going to believe it. No matter how I tried to reason with him, he just wasn't going to believe it. I said, "Our, our government couldn't pull that off. It would get out. People would find out. And I said, besides, why would they want to do that? Why would they want to fake the moon landing? And he said, well, so they could get more taxes out of us. I couldn't couldn't convince him. I asked him if he believed in Abraham Lincoln. After all, he hadn't seen him with his own eyes. And I think he said he didn't believe in Abraham Lincoln either. I said, well, how about Europe? You believe there's a Europe? No, he's never been there, so he couldn't really be sure that Europe existed. Now... Over the years, I have had people say to me, if Jesus is real, if Jesus is real, then let him appear to me or let him give me some kind of a sign. Then I'll believe in him. This is nothing new. In fact, one of Jesus' original 12 apostles said almost the same thing after he rose from the dead. And it's recorded in John 20. Let's look at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And it's talking about the first time Jesus appeared to the disciples, which was about a week before this. On the first Easter Sunday night or Sunday when Jesus appeared to the disciples, Thomas was not there. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, 
and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, eight days later, okay, this is eight days later. This is after the first Sunday. So they had told Thomas they saw Jesus and now it's a week later according to the way the Jews counted days. So this is the Sunday after the resurrection. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Imagine how shocked Thomas was. Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for opening our blind eyes so that we could see that you are Lord and God. Thank you for opening my eyes. Lord, there may may well be some here this morning who have not yet seen you as Lord and God. Would you please open up their eyes and all of our eyes, Lord, through your word, to see who you are and help every one of us to submit our lives to you as Lord and God. Lord, help us this morning. Give us faith. Lord, would you please impart faith by your spirit through your word as I preach. I just thank you, Lord. Ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Christ is risen, believe and have life. That's what John is saying. Christ is risen, believe and have life. It's not complicated. It's a simple message. Now what what happened here, as I said, it's a week after Jesus rose from the dead on the first Easter Sunday. And he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And she ran back to Jerusalem and told the apostles she had seen the Lord. Later that same first Sunday, all the apostles except for Thomas are hiding in a room and Jesus appears to them. And they told Thomas they'd seen the risen Lord, but he refused to believe them. Now, we can understand why it would be hard to believe. Just a little over a week earlier, he had seen Jesus beaten to a bloody pulp, nailed to a cross, hang there suffocating and bleeding out for six hours, 
and die. I can understand he'd have doubts. And so many people call him Doubting Thomas. But Thomas was not simply struggling with some doubts. He was resolutely refusing to believe the testimony of the ten other disciples. He was refusing to believe the testimony of Mary Magdalene. And he was also refusing to believe the very words of Jesus. Because Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection numerous times before the cross. So Thomas is not just struggling with a few doubts. He's not saying, boy, I'd really like to believe, I want to believe. No, he's saying, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Can you hear how resolute he is? I will never believe. Thomas is like many today who say, unless I have hard physical proof, I refuse to believe in Jesus. Just like the old old man that I talk to, unless, unless I see it with my eyes, unless I touch it, unless Jesus appears to me personally or does something, shows me some kind of irrefutable sign, I refuse to believe it. And so John's reason for recording this event is to say to all of us, God wants to say to us through His Word that we should believe the testimony of the apostles as recorded in the Bible. That's why the very next paragraph to this episode about Thomas says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written. The book of John was written. The signs Jesus did were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Christ is risen. It's been written down. It's been recorded by eyewitnesses. And this is all we need. God says you don't need a sign in the sky. You don't need Jesus to appear. You have the written record of all Jesus said and did. And that's enough to believe and have life. And so, this morning we're going to see that God calls us to believe the eyewitnesses. He calls us to believe that Jesus is Lord and God and to believe that you may have life. So first of all, we're to believe the eyewitnesses. When Jesus appeared to Thomas and said, Thomas, come here, put your finger in the nail hole. Stick your hand in my side. What he was really saying was, Thomas, you should have believed these guys. You should have believed Mary Magdalene. You should have believed what I told you, that I would rise. I shouldn't have to do this. But come here, Thomas. I'll I'll yield to your unbelief. Come here. Put your hands in my hands, in my side. One commentator I read was when I was studying this said, essentially Jesus was saying, call a halt to this progressive unbelief of yours. So this is, this is serious. This is, this is not just some doubt that he's wrestling this with. This is progressive, hardening unbelief. And Jesus is arresting Thomas in it, in his mercy to Thomas. Jesus commands that we believe the testimony of others. Jesus is saying, you should have believed what the others said. The eyewitnesses. We don't come to faith through our senses. That's a very important 
biblical principle. We don't come to faith in Jesus Christ by our senses, by our feelings. We come to faith by hearing the good news of Jesus Christ that has been written down. We hear it proclaimed by others. We read it in the New Testament. We, we hear the good news. We read the good news. We hear it preached to us. We hear the eyewitness accounts of the words and deeds of Jesus written down and preserved as a permanent record that we can put our trust in. And when we hear God's Word, faith arises. It doesn't come from feelings. It comes from the Word of God. That's why in Romans 10.17, it says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. As written, as preached, as preserved in Scripture, the Word of Christ, when we hear the Word of Christ, that's how we receive faith. That's how it arises in our lives. So John says then, as I already have said, these are written, these miracles Jesus did are written, written down, preserved, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Now Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, affirms the same thing. In the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he says, I made a concerted effort to gather from eyewitnesses the testimony of Jesus and write it down. And so he says, I decided to write an orderly account for you of the testimony of eyewitnesses, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. We don't come to certainty in Jesus Christ by looking inwardly to our feelings. Never come to certainty that way. We come by the Word of God. That's how I came to faith. Jesus didn't appear to me. Someone said, get a Bible and read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I think I started in John. So I, I've shared this before. I bought a 50-cent paperback Bible called, called Good News for Modern Man. And I started to just read that Bible every morning for 15 minutes. I was not a Christian, but I just started to read about Jesus. I had gone to church all my life, but I wasn't born again, didn't know God. And I started to read the book of John. And as I began to read, day after day, faith began to arise in my heart. I attended, I began to attend some meetings where men preached from the Bible about Jesus. And I listened to others give testimony as to how Jesus Christ had caused them to be born again. And as I continued to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, eventually, by God's grace, I believed. But Jesus never appeared to me. I, I had hoped that I would experience goosebumps or fireworks or something. I remember the first time I prayed to, to ask Jesus to change me. Nothing happened. I didn't feel anything at all. I didn't know at the time that's not the way you get faith. After Thomas, 
expressed his faith, Jesus said in verse 29, he says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You see, he wasn't saying, Thomas, you've seen me and therefore you're blessed. He just said, so you've seen me and believed. Well, I'll tell you who the real blessed ones are. I'll tell you the way to get real blessing. It's not by seeing me and yet believing through the testimony of Scripture recorded by people who were eyewitnesses. Jesus says the way to experience the blessing of the gospel is not by seeing. It's not through our senses. It's by the testimony of others. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact witnessed multiple times by many people. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that in addition to Mary Magdalene, in addition to the disciples, that one time Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. They saw Him. He said He appeared also to me, to Paul. Yet, some will be like the old man in Ocean City. They will say, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I need proof. God is so wise. If this is the way that God has designed for us to come to faith, it must be the wisest way. I mean, if there were a better way, if it would be better for Jesus to appear to us, God would do that. But God in His infinite wisdom has has made His Word the root of our faith, not our senses. Why is that? I was contemplating that this week. Because I, I thought, boy, I would, I would like to see Jesus. I would like to have Him appear to me. Boy, I'd really believe then. So I was thinking, why is this God's way and why is it so wise? It's because our own experience is so subjective. If Jesus would have appeared to me back in 1973 and He began to work in my life, when I began to, to come to Him in faith, I could so easily doubt that experience now 38 years later. I could say, well, <laughs> maybe I just dreamed it. You know, I was going through a really hard time in my life. Maybe I just wanted it so bad. Maybe I was just so desperate for something that I just gave in to a moment of weakness. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I just mellowed out. Maybe I didn't really see Jesus. You know, maybe I was having a flashback. I did take a lot of LSD back in the 70s. You know, I smoked a lot of weed. You know, maybe, I'm, maybe that's it. You know, I could, I could doubt that now, 38 years later. But the Word of God is permanent record. I can come back to it and read it again and again. I don't have to trust my subjective experience. There's a, there's a thing that a lot of people say nowadays. Very popular expression. I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Our feelings are so subjective. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like Jesus rose from the dead? When you woke up this morning, was that, did you feel that? Do you feel like His shed blood on the cross is the permanent payment for all your sins? Do you feel like His blood has removed all your condemnation? Lots of times I don't. 
I don't feel it, but I believe it and I know it's true because it says in His Word in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when I have failed, when I have sinned and I have feel, I feel condemned, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling condemnation. I say, am I condemned? No, because the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you feel, do you feel like Jesus is Lord and God and in control of all the universe? Do you feel it when things in your, in your life are going bad? No. I don't always feel like God is in control. Sometimes my circumstances would lead me to feel like things are out of control. So what are you going by? Are you going to be like Thomas and the man at the shore unless God appears to me and explains to me how He's causing all this to work for my good? I refuse to believe it. Do you feel like God loves you? Some of you just aren't feeling it. You need to get into the Bible. You need to read... You need to read... Romans, where it says, but God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the proof that God loves us, not our feelings. God demonstrates His love in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So if I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like God loves me, I can say, Lord, You have proven Your You have demonstrated it by sending your son Jesus to die for me. This is the whole fight of faith. You know, Paul says, I have fought the good fight of faith. What is the fight of faith? People people say this all the time. Keep the faith, brother. They don't even know what they're talking about. What is the good fight of faith? Paul says, I have fought the good fight. The good fight of faith is, are we going to believe what God's Word says or are we going to believe our feelings? Are we going to believe what the Bible says or are we going to believe our circumstances? That's the good fight of faith. It's a fight to believe what God says. So, I want to just tell you this. If you have not called upon Jesus... He's not going to appear to you. And if He did, that wouldn't necessarily prove anything. Years from now, you might doubt it because faith doesn't come from sight. It comes from God's Word. If you want to say, if you want to know what to do, if you want to know how, how, can, I, how can I come to believe in Jesus? I can't, just, I can't seem to believe in Him. Go out and buy yourself a Bible. Or we'll give you one free. We've got lots of ones that we give away. And start to read. John, read it every day for 10 minutes. Start to read the Bible. Faith comes by hearing. And as you read it, believe it. Believe it. You believe Europe exists. Most of you haven't been there. You believe in Abraham Lincoln. None of us ever saw him. Maybe they faked those photos. Get the Bible. Read it. Faith will come through hearing the Word. Read the miracles of Jesus. 
If you're struggling with God's love, read Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Don't just read it. Believe it. Don't go on in progressive unbelief. So believe, the eyewitnesses were to believe that Jesus is Lord and God. Jesus said, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Now, this is not just an expression of amazement like, oh my goodness. Or, oh my gosh. Thomas is declaring what the whole book of John testifies to. Jesus is Lord and God. That's what the whole book of John is saying. Starts off, John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word. That's referring to Jesus. It calls Him the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Jesus, eternally existing with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Word, is God. My Lord and my God. That's what the whole book of John is intended to get us to believe. And Thomas affirms that. Jesus' miracles recorded in the Gospels show He's God. He gave blind people sight. He caused deaf people to hear. Do you know anybody else that's ever done that? Can you tell me any other religious leader that healed blind people? Out of all the, the famous religious leaders and founders of religion in the world today, can you tell me anyone except Jesus And there were multitudes of eyewitnesses who saw Him raise dead people, cure lepers. He calmed a typhoon by speaking to it. Anybody here ever done that? Tornado coming right at you? Stop. No. He fed thousands of people by breaking a few small loaves of bread and fish. He kept... The bread kept multiplying... He created out of nothing. He proved He was God. He prophesied that He would be betrayed, arrested, scourged, crucified, and die. He would rise with, from the dead within three days. I mean, he, he not only predicted that He would die, He predicted exactly how it would happen. The circumstances, the kangaroo court, the scourging, everything that was associated. And then he also predicted he would rise from the dead. Jesus was not just a great teacher. Jesus was not just a good example. He is Lord and God. Notice that he accepted Thomas's statement. When Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God, Jesus doesn't say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Thomas. Do not say that. We're not supposed to worship angels or men. Don't you know the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. No, Jesus accepted it. Now Jesus, as a, as a Jewish by, by birth, if if He were not Lord and God, 
and he accepted that, then he would either be mentally ill or a terrible deceiver. We know that those aren't true by reading his word. He accepted that. And not only did he accept Thomas's statement, but this is what's really important. Each one of us must personally, personally receive Jesus as Lord and God. When I first heard the gospel preached, I went up afterwards and the man said to me, have you asked Jesus into your life? And I said, well, I think so. I, I suppose so. I said, I'm, I'm Catholic. I go to Mass every Sunday. I guess I have. He said, no, have you personally prayed to Jesus and asked Him to come into your life? Have you personally turned to Him? And I said, well, no, I've not done that. See, we must personally turn to Jesus. Just being in a church building week after week doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a baseball stadium every week would make you into an athlete. And that's, that's my concern for many of our young people, many boys and girls in this church. Boys and girls, listen to me, boys and girls. Just because you come to church every Sunday doesn't mean you're a Christian. You have to personally turn to Jesus Christ with all your heart and repent of your sins and believe in Him yourself. Jesus said, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus is talking about individuals. We must individually turn to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. We must say what Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Thomas didn't just say, I believe you are Lord and God. He said, you're my Lord. You're my God. I will obey you. You will be my king. You will be my commander. I will be your servant. See, that's what he's saying. To to receive Jesus doesn't mean we just say a little prayer and ask Jesus into our heart. Or it doesn't mean to receive Jesus doesn't mean we just kind of walk forward and come to an altar call and pray. No, to receive Jesus means that we receive Him as Lord and God. Thomas didn't even say, you know what? You're my Savior. Yes, Jesus was His Savior, but Jesus does not save us so that we can just go on living our own lives the way we did before. When Jesus saves us, He he rescues us out of sin, out of slavery to sin, so that we can have a new King and a new God and not not serve our false gods and the idols that we served before. This also revolutionized my life as a young Christian. Because when I first prayed, although the man that led me in that prayer said that I needed to personally call upon Jesus, he didn't explain to me that I needed to receive Jesus as Lord and God. He just said, ask Jesus into your heart. And 
I said, okay, I will personally ask Jesus into my heart. And I said, Jesus, come into my heart. But I did not turn from my sin. I did not make Jesus Lord and King. I continued the lifestyle I was living. I'd go to the prayer meeting or the Bible study, and then I'd go up to the Coney and get smashed. (laughs) I was miserable, and I didn't know why. You know, I was trying to be a Christian on one hand, and then I'd be getting drunk on the other hand, and I was miserable. That's the most miserable way to live. It's more miserable than being a flat-out unbeliever. (laughs) If you're going to do it, just go whole hog into sin. I mean, trying to say you're a Christian and then not, not follow Jesus as Lord is miserable. And I was miserable until I heard someone proclaim, you need to make Jesus your Lord and your God. And when I did that, when I said, yes, Jesus, I am going to unashamedly take a stand and you will be my Lord and my God. It doesn't matter what I have to stop doing. It doesn't matter which friends I lose. You must be my Lord and God above all else. You're the treasure above all treasures. That's when my life really began to change and I began to experience joy. Jesus Christ is risen Believe and have life. We're to believe the eyewitness testimony recorded in Scripture. We're to believe that Jesus is Lord and God. And here's what happens when we believe. Believe that you may have life. Verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This is why John wrote his gospel. Not so we can just adopt some new philosophy, but so we can have life, true life in Jesus. By believing that Jesus is the the Christ, the, the, the Messiah, God, the Son, have life. The, whole, the, the, the Gospel of John is brimming with this theme as well. John 3.16, most famous Bible verse there is probably. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And John 10.10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Before Jesus arrested me and, and imparted faith to me through His Word, I was trying to have life. I thought I was having life. I would have said I was having fun. I was dead. I had no life. I didn't have real life. And I can say to you, I can tell you by one who has been there, Jesus has life that this world doesn't even know about. It's rich and it's deep and it's, it's joyous. It's not eternal life. Eternal life is not just simply unending life. No, eternal life is the life of Jesus. 
That's why He said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. It's the life of Jesus Christ Himself who comes to dwell in us and live in us when we turn to Him. Jesus is living in me. Like Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that is the reality for everyone who turns to Jesus. He will come to live in you and He will live His life through you. And it is a life of joy and gladness and deep contentment. Your sins will bring you death. My sins would bring me death if I were continuing on in the life I was. Because eventually our sins will bring us to eternal death in hell. Unending death. Ever increasing misery. Just as those in heaven will have ever increasing joy for eternity. Increasing and abounding and increasing and abounding forever and ever. Those in hell will experience ever increasing, ever deepening misery and terror and horror. And just when they thought that they couldn't experience anything more terrifying and more horrible, something even more horrible will happen. And it will never end. And so Jesus wants us to have life, not death. And He offers it to everyone. And you can receive the life of Jesus today. If you have never called upon His name, if you have never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins. Help me. I want to believe in You. Give me faith. I I believe that You... You are Lord and God. I believe You died on the cross and paid for my sins. If you do that, if you turn to Him, if you call upon His name, the Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you have to be willing to turn from your sins and forsake them because Jesus has to be Lord and God. C.S. Lewis said that for us to cling to our sins or anything else, when God offers us Jesus, is like children sitting in the mud being offered a vacation at the beach and turning it down for mud pies. You know, we, we, we think, oh, my, my life I'm holding on to, it's so important, it's so valuable. It's, it's a mud pie. I look back on my life and I say, that was a mud pie. I, I would have no desire to go back to that. Now, I know Jesus. So today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I'm not going to ask you to come forward to an altar call, but when we stand in just a moment and pray, if you want to, you can turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I want you to be my Lord and God. I surrender my life. I put all my faith in you. I want to turn from my sins and He will come into your life. So let's stand and let's pray. Have the band come up. I'm going to give those of you if, you, if you would like to pray and maybe you just don't know the words, there's no formal prayer, but let's just all, let's just close our eyes. Let's pray. And if you want to receive Jesus, I'm not, even, I'm not going to ask you to hold your hand up or anything that, like that for me. Because God is the one that matters. 
If you want to pray to Jesus right now to receive Him, you can pray and pray something like this. Jesus, I confess to You, I am a sinner. And I have rejected You many times. I deserve to be punished eternally for my sins. But You have said... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to call on the name of the Lord. I want to call on you, Jesus, now to become my Lord. To be my Savior. To be my King. To be my God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you are ascended in heaven as King of Kings. And I, I want to turn from my sins. I want to renounce my sins. I want to stop doing them. And I need your help. I need your help and I believe you will help me to turn away from them. I need your help to believe in you. I do believe. Help me to continue to believe. Help me to begin to walk this out now differently. To live my life differently. I know I can't live the same life. Help me to change. Help me to follow you. Help me to be your disciple. Lord, I want a completely changed life. I ask You for life. You came that I might have life abundantly. So I ask You, please now, wash away my sins by Your blood and give me eternal life in You. Jesus, I thank You. I thank You that Your Word promises this is what You will do. I'm not going by my feelings. going by Your Word. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. And the rest of us, we, we pray. Lord, help us to fight the good fight of faith. To continue to believe your word and not our feelings and not our circumstances. Help us, Lord. We want to affirm again. Jesus, You are my Lord and my God. We love You, Lord. We pray this in Your name. Amen.